Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 4. We'll read verses 2 through 6. Colossians 4, verses 2 through 6. And I want to speak to you this morning on the subject, Agents of Redemption. Agents of Redemption. While you're turning... I'll just share one passage out of the book of Daniel. The Bible says, Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. The Bible says that the wise will lead people to righteousness. And so that's part of our job. It's part of our calling. It's part of who we are. Now the passage before us today will tell us how to turn many to righteousness, and how to become agents of redemption. Colossians 4, beginning in verse 2, we'll read through verse 6. The Apostle Paul said, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Now, did you notice those three words in our text? Redeeming the time. As Christians, we are agents of redemption. That, that word redemption is one of the strongest words you'll find in the Bible. It is what Jesus Christ did for us when he went to the cross and shed his blood. You see, the word redemption in the Bible means to ransom. It means to rescue. It means to purchase. It means to pay the price. It means to go into the marketplace and to purchase something, to take it off the shelf, as it were, and to take it out of the marketplace so it's no longer for sale. The idea of redemption is that something is redeemed by the Redeemer so it is no longer for sale. That's what Christ did for us. And that's what we should be doing in the world. You see, we are to be agents of redemption. We we are to be ambassadors for Christ. We're to be agents of redemption to the whole world, to all those who are outside the church. We're to be ambassadors for Christ. We're to be ministers of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am a stranger here within a foreign land, My home is far away upon a golden strand. Ambassador to be of realms beyond the sea. I'm here on business 
for my king. That should be true of every last one of us. We are to be ministers of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Sometimes people look at me and they say, He is our minister. And I'm complimented by that. But the fact is, we are the ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God has called each and every one of us to be agents of redemption. And we are to be doing exactly what this passage of Scripture says. We are to be redeeming the time. Now, how do we do it? Easier than you might think. I'm going to ask you throughout the course of this message to remember three words. And at the end of the message, I'll ask you to repeat them back to me. Three things, three words that will turn your life into an agent of redemption. And, and I'll show you those three words in our text right now. This, this will help. First of all, verse 2. Continue earnestly in prayer. That's the first word. Being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Prayer. Say prayer. Prayer. All right, that's the first word I want you to remember. Here's the second one, verse 5. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. The word walk. Say walk. Walk. Pray. Walk. Here's the third one, verse 6. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. And for the word speech, we'll use the word talk. Okay, say talk. talk. All right, here they are. Pray, walk, talk. That's pretty simple, isn't it? I want you to know that's exactly what God wants out of you. It's what He wants out of me. He wants you to pray. He wants you to walk. And He wants you to talk. He wants you to pray like a Christian who believes in God and believes in prayer. He wants you to walk like a Christian who acts like the Bible says we should act. And He wants you to talk like a child of God whose vocabulary has been changed. And in some ways, we learn a new language, a foreign language, the language of heaven. So we pray, we walk, and we talk. Now we'll just dig into it for a few moments. Back to verse 2, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Now friends, prayer can do anything God can do. And God can do what? Anything, right? Prayer can do anything God can do, and God can do anything. So if we really believe that, we should be praying, because we know that prayer connects us with God, and we know that when God gets involved, anything is possible. Everything is possible. God said to Jeremiah a long time ago, I am the Lord God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? We know the answer to that. The answer is no. Nothing's too hard for God. Prayer is so important. Prayer is the currency of the kingdom of God. Remember that. Prayer is the currency of the kingdom of God. If you want something in our economy, you have to have money. Or you have to have a credit card, which represents money. You go to the store, you find what you want, you put it on the counter, you give them the currency of this economy, and you redeem it, you take it, you go home with it, it becomes yours. That's how you get something from Walmart today, if you go to Walmart. They're not going to just give it to you, you have to have money. That's the currency of this economy. But in the kingdom of God, it's not so. The currency of the kingdom of God is prayer. 
If you want something from heaven, you have to pray. If you want God to get involved in your family, you have to pray. If you want God to do a redeeming work, you have to pray. If you want to see something that can't be done come to pass in your own life, your own family, your own church, you have to pray. And you don't just go through the motions of prayer. You actually have to pray. You, 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 have, to, you have to pray and mean it with all of your heart. You see, prayer connects you with heaven. Prayer connects you with God. Prayer keeps you connected with the kingdom of God. Prayer says when you pray and you really pray, I'm not talking about going through the motion. Sometimes we just fall into a routine and we say little prayers, but we go days without praying real prayer. But when we pray, really pray, we're saying that we believe God is listening and we believe God will answer those prayers. Let me tell you something, friends. Real prayer. Real prayer, real praying, real steadfast, continual prayer, like this passage talks about, believes that there is nothing outside the realm of the, or the reach of God. He can do anything. He, he, he's, he's God. Uh, one passage of Scripture in the Bible says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and thanksgiving. Well, what that means is you don't worry about anything. You pray about everything. You pray about it. Everything. We're to be fanatics in prayer. Every little single thing in our lives, we are to pray about it. God wants to lead us and guide us. You see, prayer builds faith. Worry builds doubt. God wants you to pray. And I want you to know that it is a sacred principle and a sacred law of God. That if you don't pray, you'll do without. You'll do without. If you've been in this church very long, you've heard me quote this dozens of times. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. We have to pray. We have to pray. God wants us to pray. I heard about a a dear saint of God who lived in a major city. She was very poor, lived in the poor part of town, and she lived right next door to an atheist. And I mean, their, their houses were so close together, you could hear what was going on in the other house. And this woman prayed. I mean, she was unashamed. She cried out to the Lord. Every day she prayed. And it annoyed the atheist beyond words. It just annoyed him. In fact, He felt sorry for her because he would sit there in his house and he could hear her praying next door and he thought, this pitiful woman, this pitiful woman, she's wasting her time. She she thinks there's a God. She doesn't know that there is no God. And, And on rare occasions when they would meet, he would say, why do you do that? I feel so sorry for you. Why do you pray there is no God? And she would say to him, just because you don't know Him doesn't mean He doesn't exist. There is a God. And I pray. And He answers my prayer. And He would say, Oh foolish woman, don't do that. Just stop. you're, You're wasting your time and you're annoying me. Just stop. And one day, when she was completely out of groceries, 
All the food in the house was gone. She began to cry out to God, Oh God, you, you say in your word, I've been young uh, and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor seed beg bread. Lord, I'm your child. I don't have to beg. I know I don't have to beg. You provide for your children. Lord, I need some food. The atheist next door heard every word of it. He thought, I've got this thing figured out once and for all. I'll prove to her there is no God. He ran down to the grocery store, bought two or three big bags of groceries, went to her front door, put them on right in front of the door, rang the doorbell. He ran and hid in the bushes. And she opens the door and she sees those groceries and she says, praise God, hallelujah, glory to God. And then he jumps out and he says, aha, I got you this time. God didn't buy those groceries for you. I bought those groceries for you. And then she started dancing. She started celebrating. She started shouting when he calmed her down. He said, I don't understand. And she said, I knew God would provide food for me. I just didn't know He would make the devil pay for it. (laughs) Prayer. Prayer prayer works. It, It really does. Hey, <clears throat> a couple years ago, I saw this. I, I don't know if it's true or not, but I saw this. It says they now have a dial of prayer number for atheists. Here's the way it works. You call the number and it just rings and rings, but nobody answers. Now, if you think that's the dumbest thing you've ever heard, you're wrong. Here's the dumbest thing you've ever heard. That somebody could live in this beautiful, complex world. This world and all of its beauty. That you could live in this world and believe there is no God. That's the dumbest thing you've ever heard. Oh, friends. Listen to me, child of God. We are not atheists. We believe in God. We believe that He's real. We believe that He hears us when we pray. We believe His ear is not heavy, that He actually hears us. We believe He gets involved in our lives and He reaches down from glory, as it were, and He gets involved in our lives. That's what we believe. And we should pray like that's what we believe. Are you with me? Oh, friends... I want to tell you, isn't it time we get serious about prayer? Isn't it time we get more serious about prayer than we've ever been before? Isn't it time that we get so connected with God through prayer, so intimate with God through prayer, so connected with Him that we can help lost people get connected with Him? You see, to try to witness to people and help others when your prayer life's not what it ought to be, it's shallow. It just, it doesn't work. We, we, we need to pray. We need to pray. Do you, do you understand? <clears throat> I was trying to, I was trying in my brain to figure out what prayer is like. Uh, what it means to us. What it does for us. Prayer to us is like steroids to an athlete. That's what it is. You see, see when you pray, man, that's like getting on steroids. I mean, that's, that's great, isn't it? Uh, prayer. Prayer is like fuel to your car. 
It's not much good if you don't have some fuel, right? Prayer is like love in a marriage. It is. You, you can be married without love, but boy, it's tough. Love really makes it a little bit better, doesn't it? Come on. Love makes all the difference in the world. Prayer is like melody to a song. You can, have you ever heard somebody sing couldn't carry a melody? Melody makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? Prayer is like money in your pocket. You can live without it, but boy, it's sure better with it, isn't it? Somebody said money won't make you happy, and somebody else said I'd rather be miserable with money than without it. Prayer changes everything. Prayer takes it to a new level. So I'm telling you, if you want to be an agent of redemption, the first thing you have to do is pray. One more time. The first thing you have to do is pray. pray. Don't even think for a moment that you can have a ministry, that you can be effective, that you can be a world changer if you're not spending time in prayer. You have to pray. All right? Number two. Verse five. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside redeeming the time. The second word is walk. We pray and then you walk. You start walking it out. I really believe what I'm about to tell you is the truth. We complicate it. But the greatest ministry you will ever have in your life is just walking. Just walking. Just walk it out. Get in touch with God every day. Spend time in prayer. Pray with all of your heart. And then get up and walk it out. Just walk with God. Walk with the Lord. It makes all the difference. Now, I'm pretty sure that God has something specific for each and every one of us here. He may want one person to be a preacher, another to be a missionary. He may want somebody else to be a singer. Praise God for our singers. Boy, I, I love our worship leaders in this church. We have so many of them. Uh, he may want somebody else to be a Christian businessman. He may want somebody else to be a, a Christian teacher. Um, uh, the Lord may want you to represent him as a faithful employee or a loving and gracious employer. He may want you to stay home with the children. I don't know. There's thousands of different things specifically that God may want for us. But the one thing God wants each and every one of us to do is to walk with Him. To walk in His presence. To know Him. To walk like a Christian. To pray every day. To pray every day and connect with God. And then get up and just walk it out. Walk like a Christian. Friends, I I tell you... If you really want to know what your ministry is, and that's probably the one biggest question I've received through my whole ministry. What is my ministry? If you want to know what your ministry is, I can't tell you specifically, but I can tell you that those first two steps will get you well on the way. Spend time in prayer and start walking. Just start walking with God. When He opens doors and closes doors, and just walk with God. God will do something with that. Because I want to tell you, your ministry is about what people see in your life. Uh, One of my all-time favorite poems is by Edgar Guest. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one walk with me than merely point the way. 
The eye is a better pupil and more willing than the ear. Find counsels confusing, but examples always clear. And the best of all Christians are those who live their creed, for to see the good in actions what everybody needs. I can soon learn to do it if you'll let me see it done. I can watch your hands in action, but your tongue too fast may run. And the lectures you deliver may be wise and true, but I'd rather get my lesson by observing what you do. I may misunderstand you and the high advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. You see, see, people, people are watching us. People are watching us. And I got to tell you, this is a wonderful church. This is a loving church. But God wants us to walk in wisdom toward those who are without. God wants us to be concerned about the people on the outside. God wants us to live in such a way that when they see us, not hear my preaching, but when they see you, they want what you have. That's what God wants. Hey, most of you know I've, uh, we're in the last few days of finishing up a, a home. We sold our home in Sopchapi. We moved a couple miles from here. Brother Scooter Perez uh, has uh, built us a beautiful home. And, and man, we are... We're, we're so excited about being in the home. And, and for those of you who think that I have been negligent as a pastor for the past month or so, especially in these last stages, you're absolutely correct. And I just want to go ahead and apologize right now. I'm so sorry. I, I wanted to be a good pastor. Scooter just wouldn't let me. He kept me busy. No, I, I really do feel like I have... Uh, I have been negligent in some areas, and please forgive me if I've not been there for you. But I've, I've had an experience through the building process that just kind of shook me a little bit. And here's what it is. Uh, I've bought a lot of the material for the construction myself. I've paid for different things and bought different things, a lot of it. And people know I'm a pastor, and, and, and I've dealt with this maybe eight or nine times where somebody will say, okay, pastor, it will be this amount. Now, do you want us to use the church's tax ID number? And I said, no. The, the church's tax ID number is just for the church. This is my personal home. It is illegal for me to use it for my personal home or for personal uses. And so, no, I can't do it. On one occasion, I told somebody that, and this is what they said to me. They said, you do know you could save a lot of money if you will use that tax ID number. I said, it's illegal. (laughs) So help me. The government never checks that. No one will ever know. And I said, I will know. And God will know. On one occasion, somebody asked me, can we use the church's tax ID number? And I said, no, it's illegal. So help me, this is exactly what I said. I said, no, it's illegal, and it interferes with my preaching when I do that. (laughs) And, and, And then I said... I said, I'm just teasing. I never do that. I I never do that. That's wrong. 
And then I was buying some material from a Christian man. From a Christian man. And when he came to the bottom line, this is what he said to me. He said, uh, almost with a, you, you know, with question, he said, are you going to use the church's ID number for tax purposes? And so help me, I said, no. No, I'm not. I, I, I said, that's illegal. And he said, well, I know a lot of preachers who do it. So help me. I said, I am so sorry to hear that. That breaks my heart that other ministers would do that. But I said, I can't do it. And this Christian brother said to me, he said, Pastor Jones, that's what I love about you. And my heart just melted. Because I knew at that moment, had I said yes, I would have discredited myself before him. I knew at that moment. So, I'm, I'm just, I'm asking you. I'm asking you, how's your walk? Are you cutting corners? Or are you, are you just doing things that are marginal? Isn't it time that we start praying like we really believe God hears and answers prayer? And isn't it time we start walking like Christians should walk, doing the right thing, the thing of integrity, the thing of honesty, the thing of purity? Isn't it time we do that? Did you know that there's a passage in the Bible? All these are in my notes, so I can give them to you later if you want them. But did you know there's a passage in the Bible that says, God honors and loves a man who will swear to his own hurt. In other words, he'll tell the truth when it hurts him. He'll do the right thing when it costs him money. Friends, you do the right thing. And let me tell you, God will bless you. (laughs) Having the favor of God is better than any tax exemption on the planet. You know what I'm talking about? When it comes to the way we walk and the way we act, please listen. Because, friends, I want you to know heaven is watching. Angels are watching. Hell is watching. Demons are watching. The lost world is watching. Christian brothers and sisters are watching. Everybody's watching you. You may say, no, they don't even know about me. Don't you kid yourself. Everybody's watching. And what the Bible is saying is that you should live your life in such a way that it ushers in redemption. That you should redeem the time. That you should be an agent of redemption. I'm telling you, if we could catch this and start living it out and start praying like the Bible teaches us to pray and start walking like God wants us to walk, I'm telling you, this building would fill up. You'd have to give your seat up for somebody else. Because the world's looking for the real, the genuine, the true, the pure. Now, I I don't want to come across as being too holy right now. And the preachers in the house will understand what I'm about to say. But um, sometimes God will not just speak through you. He'll speak to you while He's speaking through you. And I'm already under conviction about some of the things. And I'm serious. 
I'm, I was thinking, Lord, I've got to repent of that. I've got to repent of that. I've got to repent of that. Uh, and make some changes. That's what Christian life is all about. Growing and making changes. And, and saying, okay, now I get it. Now I won't go there. I won't do that. I won't be a, a, a part of that. So the first thing you need to do is what? Uh-huh, you almost forgot, didn't you? What's the second thing you need to do? Walk. You pray and you walk. You get in touch with God and then you start walking it out and you walk it out with a sense of integrity. Number three. Give me some time here. Uh-huh. Okay. Third one is talk. Verse 6. Let your speech or your talk always be with grace seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Salt, according to the commentaries, means a word or language that's savory or pleasant or agreeable. Just as salt makes food pleasing to the palate, so our word should be pleasing to the ear. You understand, child of God, I know sometimes you want to be mean and put people in their place and straighten people out, but that's not what the Bible says. Love them. Kill them with kindness. Be nice to them. Be nice to somebody who doesn't deserve it. Doesn't that sound Christ-like? Because that's what He does for us. Make sure that your words, your talk, your speech is full of grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer those who are from the outside. What I'm about to say, friends, I tell you, I I need a little affirmation here. I need some confirmation here. Uh, If you love your pastor, say amen. Amen. Remember that. Remember that now. Because what I'm about to say applies to everybody in this house, especially the teenagers. Especially the teenagers. Friends, if we want to have a ministry, if we want to be agents of redemption, please listen. We have got to stop talking like the world. It is hypocritical for everybody in this house to stand in worship. Teenagers, listen to me. I love it. I can't tell you there's very little this church ever does that blesses my heart more than seeing you across this front worshiping. But when you use language that you shouldn't use, that's hypocritical. Oh, friends, we, we, we have to stop talking like the world. We need to pray, we need to walk, and we need to stop talking like the world. We need to dare to be different. You don't talk like your friends. You don't say the things they say. I don't care how cool it sounds. If it's not of God, you don't do it. You, you, you are a Christian. You've been baptized, buried with Christ in the likeness of Christ, raised in the likeness of Christ to walk in newness of life. Stop using vulgarity. I'm talking to everybody in this house. Stop using vulgarity. Stop using slang. Stop using filthy language. Stop it. 
in the name of Jesus. God wants some agents of redemption in this house, and you need to stop it. You need to clean it up. You, you may... I, I'm not trying to be mean this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to speak to somebody in this house who needs to hear this. And, and, and be careful. By the way, there is no difference between typing it and saying it. And you need to be very careful that you don't fall into the social media slime pit. Because that's what it is. Now listen, social media in and of itself is not bad. It can be used for the glory of God. It can uh, uh, get your testimony out there. There's all kind of things you can do with social media. It, it can connect family and support friendship and 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 be a foundation for ministry. But if you're not real careful, you will fall into the social media slime pit. Hardly a month goes by. I'm not making this up and I'm not exaggerating. Hardly a month goes by that somebody doesn't call me or text me or show me of something that one of our church members has put on social media that's an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment. It's shocking. It's humiliating. We're Christians. We're, we're, we're Christians. I, I'm, it's, it's heart-rending. Isn't it time we clean things up? Isn't it time we clean things up? Stop doing that. Start praying. Start walking. Start talking. Let your words be seasoned with salt, full of grace, redemptive. Let your words and and all of your social media, let it be that also. I I want to ask you a favor. If you will not heed this message, if you will continue to use words on social media that you should not use, would you do me a favor? Would you do this church a favor? Would you put, and I don't know, what is it? Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Well, our president needs to work on Twitter, doesn't he? Somebody send him a copy of this sermon, please. If you insist on putting stuff and taking issues with people and using language on social media that you shouldn't use, would you please do this for me? Would you put somewhere, maybe after every one of those statements, I am not a Christian. I do not talk like a Christian. These are not the kind of words that Christians use. Would you do that? Would you please do that? Why would you do that? So that you don't embarrass this church. So that you're not a blight on the family of faith. Just stop it. Don't do that. Put some type of disclaimer on there. So that it doesn't insult the kingdom of God. You say, preacher, I've never heard you preach like this before. Never been this mad before. 
By the way, <clears throat> you know that little thing about I'm not a Christian, I don't talk like a Christian, these are not the words of a Christian? That was my first suggestion. I've got one for you that's 10,000 times better than that. 10,000 times better than that. Are you ready for it? Go on social media and say, I've said things in the past that were not godly and Christian. I've asked God to forgive me. Will you please forgive me? And from this day forward, none of that junk will ever be seen on my page or my Instagram. None of that stuff. We have a little saying around our office. When in doubt, leave it out. When in doubt, leave it out. Oh, see, we just don't understand. Most of us don't understand how powerful words are. Um, The Bible says uh, death and life are in the power of the tongue. The tongue has the power to give life. Words have the power to generate life or death. Be sure your words are full of grace, seasoned with salt, ministering life to those who hear it. I, I'm, I, one of the questions I want to ask you this morning is, isn't it time, bear with me now, because I asked you a while ago if you loved me, and I hope you haven't changed your mind yet. <laughs> isn't it time that Christians start confronting other Christians who are not living like Christians? Amen. Somebody's going to walk up to me after the service and say, be careful, pastor. You're going to usher in legalism in our church. No, friends. That's not legalism. That's love. That says, I love you so much as a brother in Christ, as a sister in Christ, that when you start down a path that you shouldn't be going down, I'll talk to you about it. I'll do it lovingly. I'll do it with compassion. I'll do it with brokenness. I'll do it because I love you and I love the church. Isn't it time we start confronting Christians who are not acting like Christians. And none of us are exempt from that. None of us. You want to be an agent of redemption? And friends, you've got to learn to pray continuously about everything. You, you've, you've, got to, you've got to learn to walk like God wants you to walk. And you've got to learn to talk like God wants you to talk. We are to be different. We are to be different. Oh, friends. I, I want to see revival. And if, we, if we're not careful, we start thinking that the way revival, the way a great move of God begins in the church is for the preacher to preach better sermons. For the singers to sing better music. I got news for you. We're, we're already beyond ourselves. I've, I, I don't have any better than I got. And I really think Priscilla's doing her best, so I don't think it's going, that it's going to get any better. But what can change this church and change this community is for a group of people to say, I want to be an agent of redemption, and I will start. Oh, come on, y'all are pitiful. One more time. I'll start. And, and like a Christian. Let's pray. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 
or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.